The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Charles, you did a uh, you did a real smart thing. You you posted some power rankings uh, on on the Twitter, and you uh, restricted who could respond uh, to them. And I, I want I want to let you know that uh, over at for, over at the for the win Twitter, they tweeted our, our you know our official brand account tweeted it out. And so some people got you, man. They got you. There's, oh there's... well, that's okay because it didn't happen on my feed. So. <laughs> you don't feel I, it. You don't. No, I, I don't feel. I'm not going to go look at what mean things people have said about my power rankings, which I fully admit I spent way too much time on. Uh, I think I like siphoned up a couple hours of our group chat yesterday, like bouncing ideas off of people, <laughs> uh, running advanced numbers, ranking teams, watching films. Like I literally spent this entire day on power rankings. So. You know, I'm not going to go over there and look at the mean things that people are saying about me because, quite frankly, it might hurt my feelings about all the work that I put in. <laughs> it's uh, it's mostly I don't even know how to uh, how to describe these emojis, but it's mostly small yellow faces uh, who are laughing and crying at the same time. So I don't know what that means, but that's a, that's a, well, look, I'm just going to assume that they loved it. They yeah, they had a good time. They enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> but if you go with my my Twitter page at Four Words, I that's where the real discussion is. That's where the real discussion is. That's where you know you're not getting any fluff, no, <laughs> no uh, gotta, nonsense over here. It's the uh, year. It's the year 2021. You can't just let online conversation run roughshod, right? You have to cultivate it. You have to make. You have to amplify the right voices. You have to make sure that you know you're really elevating the people who are taking time to be thoughtful, and that's what's yeah. happening over on your Twitter. Yes, and by taking time to be thoughtful, I mean, you know, just agreeing with me. (laughs) This is good and it's factual stuff. Like I even got uh, some angry Cardinals fans because I I put uh, the Rams over the Cardinals, uh, number one, and somebody said, uh, actually, the Cardinals beat the Rams in L.A. They beat them down. I said, I disagree. He said, you're, you're right. The Rams won 20 to 37. And thank you. I'm right. I know they did win 20 to 37. The first team in NFL history to win by losing a game. So. <laughs> uh, we will talk about the power rankings. We're going to go through uh, Charles's four verse uh, column that he does each week. And we will uh, also, I guess maybe we'll talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure there's like a whole lot yeah, left to lot say to about that. But uh, we'll, we'll touch on it and go through some. Week nine was totally insane. Totally. I mean, just like, I feel like tossing it out. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot to talk about and we'll, we'll dig into it. But uh, as far as like really looking at what any of this means, it was just a very bizarre NFL week. Just a lot of weird, weird shit happened. Uh, but we will get into that um, as we go here. We're, you know, week nine now represents the midpoint of the season. And, uh, it's interesting, right? This is an interesting NFL season, I'd say. We're, I mean, yeah. we'll get it's into why fun. when we when we talk about the power rankings. But like, this is this is fun, I think. Yeah, the, the last couple of weeks maybe have been a little lackluster at times, but I don't mm. think that it's ever like stopped giving us uh, things to talk about, particularly with the inter- interesting teams. I mean, you look at the AFC North and the AFC West; like those are just complete bloodbaths right now. The Bengals have fallen to last place because they lost to the Browns uh, last week, and they've lost to the Steelers. 
Uh, the Ravens sit in first place. You have the Chiefs within striking distance of first place in the AFC West because literally all the teams in the AFC West are in striking distance. They all have five wins. Uh, some have three losses because, you know, bye weeks and, and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's been a fun season. It's been a really competitive season. And I think, like, over the next couple of weeks, like, as we get closer to, you know, the playoffs time, we're going to get a lot of great games because the stakes get higher each week and so many of these teams are just packed in together. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's shaping up to be a fun rest of the season. You know, just a lot, a lot to look at, and uh, you know, it feels a little bit. Obviously, there are there's an extra game uh, which adds intrigue, and you know, more games that we've ever seen. And this will be the second year of having 14 teams make the playoffs. Uh, you know, which just spices up those those final games there. Uh, makes it, you know, and there's only two teams that are going to get the bye, uh, and that is a huge deal, you know, and so we'll be tracking all that as we go forward here. Uh, and starting, you know, it still feels pretty open, though. It still feels like we're sorting out who's going to end up where. Uh, so let's let's jump to your power rankings, and, uh, you know, you guys can find this at For the Win, ftw.usatoday.com. Headline predictably is NFL power rankings, Rams, Cardinals lead tight NFC West battle. And those are the first two teams. But as your Twitter, uh, Twitter pal pointed out, you do have the Rams up top. um, And the Rams are also coming off a loss to the Titans. What was your thinking here? Um, I just think that the way that the Rams kind of play football and how they've played football is like, really sustainable and conducive to winning in uh, the tough spots, like in the postseason against tougher teams. I know they, they, you know, lost that game that they won against the Cardinals 37, 20 or whatever. But uh, I, I just think when you look at this team, I, you know, it's interesting because like when I watch players, I tend to like guys like, you know, Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, who can just make plays out of structure and when stuff breaks down. But I think when you get through, the playoffs and start getting into, you know, those teams that are really uh, well-polished and, and do good stuff. I think, you know, the stuff that you do in structure within the timing and rhythm of your offense is just a little bit easier to execute because, you know, that stuff that you've practiced, uh, the stuff that you drill every day, you're not really drilling like some of these broken plays that, you know, maybe some of the more exciting teams make uh, in the league. And, you know, I, I just think when you look at that Titans game, it to me, it, when I when I was looking at the Titans game and trying to realize like how much it would affect my ranking of the Rams, I just kind of asked myself like how much of this is like replicable moving forward. Uh, and to me, like a lot of that, I know Titans fans might not like to hear it, but like a lot of that was just kind of fluky to me. Where you know you get the interception at the goal line that gets you down to the one yard line, and I don't care if you have. Lawrence Taylor playing next to Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Like if you give an NFL offense four tries to get one yard, they're probably (laughs) going to get it. Uh, Then you have to pick six. And, you know, these are plays that are kind of like uncharacteristic of, you know, what they've done all season. And then when you look at outside of that, like what they gave up 30 points, I think uh, to the Titans. And two of those were like stuff that is just, random and really difficult to avoid. He gave up 28 points, so two touchdowns. So outside of that, like, the defense had a, a pretty solid game. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was limited to only 5.3 yards per attempt. They limited the, the Titans to 2.7 yards per rush. To me, this is still is the still best team uh, 
in the NFL and they had a bad game against the Titans, but that doesn't have to mean, you know, they're going to be doomed for the rest of the season. Yeah. I do want to just point out, and you sort of reference this, that you did put a lot of thought into this. And we also, this is a different thing for us because we are not doing power rankings every week. Uh, Certainly like five years ago for the win definitely would have been one of the places that was doing like power rankings every single week. And you were manipulating them based on what happened. And you sort of just created movement between teams based on, sort of like knee-jerk reaction to what's happening. Like, because people read power rankings. Uh, We, we have not done that. Uh, This is, this is a mid-season power ranking where you are really able to step back and say like, I'm going to honestly try to evaluate uh, what, what, which teams I think are the best. And like, it would be just absurd to just say, oh, okay, well the Rams just lost and they lost to the Cardinals before. So uh, I just judge them to be the worst team because that's not how sports works out, right? So you're no. trying, like, you're very much trying to project, like, okay, who, which of these teams do I actually think is going to be best in the end? Uh, like, you know, when when is, is best position to win? Uh, and the Rams have been around uh, the top of the NFL for a while now. They've, you know, they've been to the Super Bowl. Like, this is a team that has some veteran players who know what they're doing. They have some of the better players. The Cardinals, uh, meanwhile, like this is a breakout year for them, right? Like we've been saying like, oh, are the Cardinals, is this going to be the year? Like when will Kyler Murray figure it out? Will Cliff get it? And they are starting to get it. But this is also like a team that does not have nearly as much depth and uh, is not quite as battle hardened, you know, which is an old sports cliche. But like they haven't been uh, really at that level uh, up to this point. So what, why did you have the Cardinals second? What do you see here um, f- for their future? Well, first of all, I would just like to apologize to all Arizona Cardinals fans for having the gall and the disrespect <laughs> to rank just, your team second. The second best team in the NFL. Second best team in the NFL. How many, ti- how many times has the second best team in the NFL won the Super Bowl? I don't Probably know. more times than the first best team, yeah, I, but, I would say. And honestly, I, I, like the, the the longest thing that took me to submit this was like sat there and dragged the Cardinals and the Rams back and forth. <laughs> like the little listical thing. I finished with the Rams first. Uh, but when you look at the Cardinals, I think, first of all, that win against the 49ers was so impressive because you're missing Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and they right. just didn't lose a beat, like just steamrolled that team. So, you know, I, I think obviously there's definitely a case for the Cardinals to be the best team in the NFL because I think they're the second best team in the NFL. But I think – what was really impressive to me about Sunday and honestly what gave me, you know, an inclination to potentially put them in number one was you're starting to see like Cliff Kingsbury, I think to me at least do a better job in calling plays and kind of orchestrating this offense. Because I think, you know, when you don't have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, we just touched on how those guys can make a bunch of plays off script, but Colt McCoy is is, uh, not, not, not quite that guy. In Texas legend, just like Kyler, but that's about where the comparison stopped. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that was such an impressive performance from Cliff, just from a play clock perspective, where, you know, you're giving your guys a chance to win that game when they're undermanned and they just, you know, throttled the 49ers. So uh, maybe they don't have like, I don't I don't think they have, you know, the top tier talent like the Rams do. Like we're talking about the Rams, it's Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Andrew Whitworth, like all these guys on every single level of the field. 
to me, it's, the roster isn't quite that good, but mm. you know, it, it's still one of the elite rosters in the league. And I think that Sunday against the 49ers really showed that. Uh, number three, you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, like this is the same team that won the Super Bowl last year, basically. Uh, boring. And yeah, <laughs> the Buccaneers are good and boring. Good offense, good defense, good coaching. Uh, yeah, I mean, this team's yeah. going to be there, right? Like this is. Yeah, this is, I wrote in the column. The only thing that's going to stop them from gunning for another deep playoff run will be Brady. You know, playing like a forty-four-year-old quarterback instead of a thirty-four-year-old. Right. So. Uh, yeah, and there's I, no I, indication that's going to happen. Like, right? right. I, don't, I mean, yeah. And I, we thought I, we thought he was washed three years ago, and maybe something happened. Yeah, and I think I think one of the interesting things, like as I was putting this together, is like, holy crap, the NFC is way better than the AFC. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Number four, you got the Buffalo Bills. Who literally just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars? Like, yeah, I I didn't even see. This is one of the reasons why I had to lock this. Like, I, there was no way I was going to let people just blow up my mentions all day. <laughs> and oh, you you, uh, you you put the the Bills four after they lost to the Jaguars? Yeah, because I tend to think like, dude, when you look like we we are so reactionary. I think in real time. Right. When you go back, and, all NFL teams are NFL teams. Like all NFL right. players are NFL players. Like exactly. And, and let's say like you go back and you look at you know the Buccaneers season from last year. They just won the Super Bowl, but I can guarantee you they had a loss there. Where you're like, you go back and you look at it. How did they lose that game last year? They lost to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, <laughs> they lost. They lost to Trubisky. So uh, you know, I am not. Press uh, really that they lost this game. If I was a Bills fan, I'd definitely be upset because it's lost in freaking Jaguars. But I think when you take a step back and look at this, one, the defense is still playing at like a crazy elite level, just in terms of stopping the run, stopping the pass, getting turnovers. I mean, they really do it all. Uh, Leslie Frazier has done an incredible job. They've stacked that defense with uh, like a legitimate two deep defensive line where they can go like eight guys and you're still getting productive plays right. uh, out of all those guys. And then, you know, it's huge in the playoffs. I mean, that's huge. Uh, Cause he, like, even when you go back and look at those Legion of Boone defenses, like, yeah, it's obviously great having Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, in the same deck secondary. But when you go up front, you got like Red Bryant, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Cassius Marsh, like all these guys that can like do a lot of things. And, you know, you're getting eight deep on the defensive line and you're still playing. Right. Uh, playing pretty well. So, you know, I, I think that that really matters. And obviously the secondary is playing well too. But the the flip side on that is, well, how did you only score six points against the Jaguars? I mean, that's something to be concerned about if you're the Bills. Like the run, the rushing game is almost like entirely comprised of like their productive plays are really mostly comprised of like Josh Allen scrambles, which is not a great way to exist in the NFL. I mean, it can, it can work when your quarterback is like a 6'5", 250-pound freak of nature and can throw the ball over the moon. Like that stuff can get you far. But uh, it's definitely alarming that they had that performance against uh, the Jaguars. But, you know, again, like I don't believe that one hiccup against a bad team is a death sentence. And I, I still firmly believe that the Bills are, are strong Super Bowl contenders. Uh, number five, you got the Dallas Cowboys. Another team coming off a bad loss. Uh, yeah, lost it's to, like a, the, a broken record here. Right. It's a loss to the Broncos, who, you know, got traded Von Miller, sort of seemed to be, uh, you know, giving up on the season. Uh, but 
this is football. Uh, yeah. the, uh, the Cowboys, you know, obviously just a hugely talented offense. Prescott has been in and out a little bit with injuries. Like if he comes all the way back, this is most certainly one of the the, the, the most formidable offenses that that is going to be in the NFL. Um, how'd you come up with this team at five here? Uh, I mean, my, I looked at that, that, that Cowboys game on Sunday against the Broncos and Dak just needs to play better and mm-hmm. he will because <laughs> we, we've seen him play a lot better in the past and this season. And just when you look at what they've done this year, no one's really been able to stop this offense until, you know, that Broncos game. And then, you, you know, you had the weird game with the Vikings where uh, Cooper Rush was starting quarterback, but I mean, they scored, 41 points against the Eagles, 36 points against the Panthers, 44 points against the Giants, 35 points against the Patriots uh, before, you know, 20 points against the Vikings and uh, the 16 points against the Broncos. So those are kind of outlier performances based on everything else they've done this season. And then when you look at what they get coming up, you know, you get the Falcons next week, the Chiefs after that. So this should be two bounce back weeks for, uh, the Cowboys offense, who, you know, they haven't gotten less talented. They just had a hiccup. Cleveland Browns are next on your list, sixth. Uh, you know. The- this was, yeah, I feel, I feel like I lost a, a couple people here. It, this might have been a little high, but uh, I just am still infatuated with that offense. Like, the whole organization of the offense is so good. I don't really have a take on why this Baker Mayfield – Odell Beckham thing didn't work out. Maybe they're just not suited for each other, uh, which is kind of a shame because you'd think like a, a receiver like Odell could really put this team over the top. But uh, I, I like to look at point differential. And I think when you look at where the Browns are, they're five and four, but uh, they have a plus 28 point differential. And I think that they've shown that they can score on anyone when it's all clicking. They just, you know, have little spurts of inconsistency where it's not looking good. But, you know, I, I am a believer in the offense. I still like the defense and the talent that they've assembled. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in Kevin Stefanski. So I, I still like the Browns as one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. The Browns, uh, do they have a little COVID outbreak going on right now, including Nick Chubb, their star running back. Uh, you know, that division is so close. It's so tight that, uh, you, know, you know, that could, could have a pretty big impact on this team, uh, you know, depending on, on how far it spreads and who estimates games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you said in the opening, that the AFC North is <laughs> like there's just a lot going on there. Um, yep. Number seven, Green Bay Packers. Speaking of COVID, the Aaron Rodgers team. Uh, here we are. Yeah. yeah. So Rodgers is hoping to play. I guess. Uh, yeah, he said he might not play on Sunday uh, okay. after his latest. He said he, he he there's a small chance he might not play, but he's probably going to play on Sunday. You know, after his uh. Another great performance by Aaron on the Pat McAfee show today. <laughs> uh, today he was wearing a uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker sweatshirt, which is objectively the worst uh, Star Wars movie. So <laughs> just continuing on his strong uh, comments from last week. But no, I mean, I don't really have much to say about the Packers. Like if they had Aaron Rodgers in that game, they'd probably win. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, they pretty much shut down the Chiefs' offense, then Jordan Love. Like, he just looked like a rookie, which he basically is. So I don't really have much to say on that. But Aaron, dude, just get the shot or be quiet, please. Because I I don't understand, like, why he's leaking to People magazine that 
he was very upset. unsatisfied with how people responded to his coronavirus comments. Dude, you called everyone a woke mob and said that Joe Rogan knew more than like epidemiologists. So right. uh, I, I don't know why you thought people would be happy uh, with your asinine comments on that. But hey, moving forward, uh, he's back. And I, I think that, you know, once he gets back in the lineup, the Packers are the clear cut best team in the NFC North and right. should easily win that division. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Rodgers, he he sort of apologized today. He also said he stood by uh, what he said. He said he's an athlete, not an activist. He's going to keep these conversations between him and his doctors. Like, uh, I don't I mean, who are these doctors? Like, that? Uh, I mean, if you're self-selecting doctors who are not following uh, science, then, uh, you know, I don't like this guy – I, I go back to when Aaron Rodgers was not drafted and he was just sort of aggrieved. And like, I'm not sure that he ever shook that off. You know, he thought he might be drafted by the 49ers and they didn't pick him. And he like immediately was saying they'll regret it. And like, I don't know. I mean, he just sort of seems like he just wants to look for things to be angry about. Maybe that's just part of his personality. It's what drives him a little bit. Uh, you know, he spent the entire off season be angry, being angry at the Packers and, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, now he's he's got this going on. Um, so, but he's still a really good football player, and as you said, the the path is is sort of clear for this team. Uh, all right, we're moving into like the mid range here. Uh, Tennessee Titans at eight. Uh, you know, won that game without Derrick Henry. Pretty impressive. Uh, other times this season, this season have looked totally terrible. So, yeah, uh, you know, they are they're such a weird team, and. <sighs> You know, I don't want to rag them too much because I do think that this is a pretty good football team. But, I mean, last week you got the the interception on the goal line against the Rams. Literally the week before that, you got the interception on the goal line against the Colts. Chiefs win. Hey, you can't discount that. They beat the hell out of the Chiefs. Then the Bills win. Like, you're right there on the edge. And if, you know, one offensive lineman makes a block on a quarterback sneak or just doesn't like slip and fall. Like you can get across the finish line there if you're Buffalo. So, you know, it, it's just, I, I tend to get wary of the teams that are just like always playing in close games against uh, inferior opponents and kind of need like weird stuff to get them across the finish line. But so far, like it's working for them. Uh, I, I, I do think that it's okay to be a little skeptical about like how good this team actually is, which is why they're at eight. But at the same time, uh, they're seven and two. I just kind of wonder about like the sustainability of what they're actually doing mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how they're winning these games. Right. Uh, you have the Bengals at nine. I'm going to lump in the Ravens here because they're at 10. Uh, the Zach, yeah, you're just a Zach Taylor guy. You know, you're just a, a true believer in Zach Taylor and what he's been building. See, there the funny thing about that is, like, I I don't think he's been good this year. Like, <laughs> like, like, at all. Like, I, if I were the Bengals, I would still be looking at like, we are underachieving as things stand right now. But uh, this offense just gets so many big plays. And I think that it's it's in a way that is not, like, you know, hard to do week to week. Uh, you know, I, they didn't have as much success against the Browns. But uh, basically every other week they've been able to score uh, almost as much as they wanted, especially against, you know, the games against the Lions and the Ravens and uh, the Jets, even though they lost. Like, they've been able to really – uh, put up points when they want to. It's just, you know, the overall consistency is not there, which I think is kind of expected. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow is in his second year coming off an injury. Jamar Chase is a rookie. Like, these are two guys that you're really leaning on. Uh, Jonah Williams, a left tackle, is a young guy. They're still filling out the defense with talent. I mean, 
the, the the base is there for a good like a really really good team, but I think that uh, there's still like an off season away. And th- to me, this part of like the power rankings, kind of starting with the Titans, is where it starts to get a little muddy. Right? Where, you know who's better than who? Uh, maybe if I would do this again, I would do it in like tiers instead of mm-hmm. uh, just straight up you know rankings. But uh, for now, I got the Bengals ranked ninth, but I don't really think that there's that much separating between them and the Ravens who are ranked 10th, even though, you know, the Bengals just blew out the Ravens two weeks ago. Right. Right. And tears make it hard too, because I mean, Cleveland could very well not make the playoffs. Right. And you have them at number six, whereas the Packers would have to like, I, I, you know, Aaron Rodgers would have to infect the entire team and they'd have to forfeit five games to not make the playoffs. Like the the Packers are probably going to make the playoffs. Just, but that's just like situationally where those teams are in the league. Um, So it, it is, it's uh, hard to figure out at this point where you know where these teams are. The Ravens are a team that they keep winning these games, you know. And I know you're, you know, you probably have a lot of people in Baltimore that you are still in touch with or follow. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm here, and you know, like I think people feel pretty good about this team because the net, you know, narratively, like this was okay. This team was supposed to be really good, then had that horrible injury luck overcame it, won a bunch of these close games. Uh, I think the fans go through this like horrible, like, why are we losing these teams? Why are we not beating them more? And then Justin Tucker kicks the game winning field goal. And they're like, oh, see, we have, we have resilience, you know, like Harbaugh is definitely the coach of the year and Lamar is playing better than ever. Uh, but these coin flip games are not like, that's just not something like they're called coin flip games for a reason, right? Like eventually you're not going to get the coin flip that you want. Yeah. Uh, so we do need to see probably more consistency. Uh, and I think Derek Klassen, who we've had on the show a bunch, uh, tweeted that there's no quarterback doing more with less help from his coaching staff. Uh, and I definitely think that's true. I mean, I just think yeah. Greg Roman still has not <laughs> figured this out. Uh, I think, Lamar is growing leaps and bounds. I mean, he's he's as good a runner. I mean, he's he's gotten better somehow. The guy just never he's takes so a full good. on hit, uh, and he's a he's a good passer too. But the the offense is not there where they're give, really giving him open looks. Uh, I think Nick Boyle coming back, the tight end who's been out for uh, the whole season and, mm-hmm. and was lost late last season. Um, you know, I think that's probably sneaky, pretty important. Uh, oh yeah, because they they love to go heavy, right? Uh, so if you can get Nick Boyle, I mean, who basically functions as like a sixth offensive lineman out there, right? Uh, that that's a that's a definitely good player, an important player to have back for them. Baltimore, like as a whole, I don't really think this team is like that good this year, and I don't think it's their fault. It's just, hey, Ronnie Stanley's out uh, for right. the year, Marcus Peters out for the year. Uh, they've had a bunch of other injuries, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. Like this is not the Ravens team we thought we were getting. Uh, at the start of the season, but you got number eight. And when you got number eight, you can <laughs> kind of figure your way out of some jams, which is what they've done almost every week this season. So, right. uh, you know, this is basically what my, you know, bit in the four words uh, was about. We can just talk about it now where uh, Lamar is just so in control of what is going on with this team, how they need to, you know, <laughs> basically just overcome their own mistakes. And the, the funny part about watching them is sometimes Lamar is the one that like puts them in these bad situations. <laughs> yeah. They have to dig out and make something happen, but he's Lamar Jackson. Like it, it takes a Herculean effort, but you right. got Hercules as a quarterback. So right. you, you, right. you can really figure out how to get out of some of these games <laughs> when you have a quarterback who 
who is playing at an MVP level again. So Lamar, hey, you can throw two interceptions in the first half, and you can still have a chance to win in overtime, and you're down by like four scores in the fourth quarter. Right, right. Yeah, that uh, the, you know, you called him Hercules in the forwards, and uh, I, you know, have an eight year old son who went through a stage of like uh, wondering about Greek mythology and. And so I read him some of that stuff and like, I, that's often what happens, right? Like the hero does something dumb, but then has to overcome it. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's the actual story. Uh, and, and you're right. Lamar. Yeah, and, and the, like the Ravens, they, they put themselves in some holes and I, I am skeptical how long they're going to be able to do this because I think over the course of a full season or uh, maybe two seasons, like you start to see that stuff even out where you lose the close games, but hey, it's amazing to watch now. And I highly suspect they won't need a, too much to get past the Dolphins on Thursday night. The uh, New England Patriots come in at 11. Uh, I mean, it looks like a Bill Belichick team, you know, like which we yeah. haven't been able to say for a while, uh, but just suffocating defense. I, uh, I've i been watching the uh, preview, the, the first couple episodes of this Tom Brady docuseries that's coming out, and it, it focuses yeah. on those teams that when Brady was coming up, and, like, that was, that was it then, right? Like, nobody – they paid Bledsoe a bunch of money and they thought Bledsoe was going to be the quarterback, but really it was like, this is a, this is a defensive team run by a defensive mastermind that is going to grind out games. Like and when Brady came in, like didn't matter. Like, okay, he's Tom Brady. Like whoever this guy is, as long as it doesn't turn it over. I mean, it was basically like, like we talked about Denver this season, you know, like uh, if the defense can, if the quarterback just doesn't lose football games, they're going to be fine. And uh, the Patriots seem to be working their way back there, and they have Mac Jones, who's doing an okay job of not being a liability. Like he's, yeah, he's been better than I thought. People, or man, people, I'll say myself, like, <laughs> better than I thought that he was going to be. Uh, I don't. I still am highly skeptical of what the ceiling is, but at the baseline right, level, right. he showed no that question. he can he can put together you know stretches of efficient play while the defense does a lot of the hefty lifting. So I, I am just happy as a fan of the game to have Belichick back with like really dope defensive players. I think that uh, obviously the secondary is good. JC Jackson just tormented Sam Darnold on Sunday, <laughs> uh, but as know, we expected, as we expected, but <laughs> the front is pretty good too. Uh, you know, Christian Barmore has really figured it out. Second round rookie. Uh, and you know, obviously I, having Dante Hightower back in lineup is huge. So that that's been a really fun defense to watch. All right. Now we're getting into 12 here. Uh, we'll buzz through these a little bit more quickly. Los yeah. Angeles Chargers, uh, another one, another team that you see as probably a year away. You know, this is Brandy's, Brandy yeah. Staley's first year. It's Justin Herbert's second year in the league. Staley's first year as a head coach, uh, you know, like kind of going up and down, had some trouble with the Eagles, you know, like, uh, like you know, there's this team that's learning and finding its way. Yeah, this is a this is a team that's obviously good. Like they have the base to be a, a good team, uh, but like you said, they're they're a year away, uh, and it's really no fault of anyone who's there right now. They just kind of need another year to get that thing together and see, you know, what Brandon Staley's vision, especially for the defense, looks like because that run defense is putrid. Uh, they're horrible, and I, I think that that's really going to – if if they do end up making the playoffs, that's really going to be a tough spot for them because that – because you know, the thing with run, running the ball is over, you know, a 17-game sample now that we have, it's better to – you know, the pass offense is more important than run offense, but 
when you get into these one game samples where it's a major Achilles heel, like you can get destroyed in some games. Uh, next up at 13, you got the New Orleans Saints. You see this as a team that uh, just has great line play, both offensive yeah. and defensive line, sort of doing enough to make up for, you know, they've obviously had the quarterback issue now with Jameis Winston out. Uh, Michael Thomas hasn't been around a lot. You know, they've, they've had to go through some things, but they've held it steady and, and line play is the key there for you. Yeah, I, I think when you – like the Saints, now that they're down to Trevor Seaman and uh, Taysom Hill at quarterback, like it's going to – it's just going to be like some real old-school football, I think, where the offensive line is really good. The defense as a whole is really good, even though, hey, you know, Matt Ryan just shredded them, hey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, this is a team that's just going to be like – when you talk about, oh, yeah, you got to stick to the fundamentals, like that's what the Saints have, have got to do. Defensive line, offensive line, great. Defense as a whole is pretty good. Obviously, having Alvin, Alvin Kamara helps, but uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how they adjust. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I do want to shout out the Saints run defense because they whooped the Falcons, but on the ground uh, on Sunday. The Falcons ran 25 times for 34 yards, uh, 1.4 yards per carry, so you are just running to a brick wall every right. single play. Right. And honestly, that's been – how it's been running against the Saints all season. I'm pretty sure they have, like, probably by far the number one run defense in the league. So, hey, if you can play defense and maybe protect the quarterback a little bit, you got a chance. And with Sean Payton, maybe they can sneak into the playoffs by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, 14, going to get Mr. Unlimited uh, back. Yeah. I guess he will. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson has tweeted that he's back. And uh, we'll that should go, certainly though. help. What's that? Like, so before the pod's over, we might have an answer on if they claim Odell. But as of oh, now, yeah, yeah. Russell Wilson's back. Uh, shout out to Gino for kind of keeping it afloat, even if they only won one game while he was out. And now you have a chance to get back to the NFC West race. Or not NFC West race, I should say. The wild card race. Because right. I, I don't think they're catching the Rams or the Cardinals no, at this point. No. Uh, 15, Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> I, the team, Vikings are the Vikings. Are the yeah, Vikings. it makes no sense. Like if, if you just read the power rankings, uh, they're above league, and not. I shouldn't even. I think above league average, above league average, kind of downplays like how good they've been. Uh, but they're above league average in adjusting net yards per attempt, yards per carry, opponent adjusting net yards per attempt, expected points added per drop back, and sack percentage on both offense and defense. And on sack percentage, they're like top of the league on offense and top of the league in defense, and they're three and five. Right. Uh, it's bizarre because when you look at just like the raw numbers, right. if you if you handed me the the Vikings raw numbers compared to all the other teams, I would guess what was this team like six and two, seven and two? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. underlying numbers here are yeah. super strong, super strong. They're, but they're three and five with a positive point differential, and that's just kind of like the Vikings. I, I I honestly wanted to put them higher, uh, but win a game. Yeah. That's sort of what happens when you have a quarterback who farts out bad games every now and then. Yeah. Uh, but 16 brings us to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, man, if I, I can't, if in August, if if you had said to me that you were going to rank the Kansas City Chiefs 16 <laughs> at, after week nine of the power rankings, I, I, mean, I probably wouldn't have done much, but I would have, sh- I would have like yeah. okay. been surprised. You know, yeah. I'm not a very, you know, that. But uh, but yeah, I would have been surprised, and here we are. It's very, and it's. I think that's maybe a generous ranking. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. Well, honestly, I so the, honestly the way I started with it is I just had like some basic like efficiency numbers for pass for, uh, for pass offense, run offense, pass defense, mm-hmm. run defense, and 
when I just punched the numbers in without like watching any film, uh, the Chiefs came out to be 24th, but uh, behind the Falcons and the Steelers and the Giants. So I, I was, you know, I looked at that and I was like, yeah, they still got Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. And even though this thing like is not looking good now, I still don't doubt that it can get to a point where they figure out how to play effective football. And I think the most concerning thing for the Chiefs is the offense is like actually looking back now where. Right. Uh, right. It was defense early and that was somewhat expected. And then the yeah. defense figured it out and the offense is just tanked. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he just threw for like three yards per attempt against the Packers. So right. uh, that's obviously uncharacteristic of him. But like I, like I said, I can't get too down on this because we've seen them be too good in the past. Yeah. Well, now now the teams have 30 years of tape on Andy Reid's offense. They finally figured it out. So uh, it's, uh, it's just yeah. yep. it's been gonna... 30 years. <laughs> uh, Las Vegas Raiders at 17. The Raiders have had every bad, like, you know, they uh, – the, the coach turned out to be a racist homophobe. Uh, Henry Ruggs is out after his DUI that left a person dead. Damon Arnett was threatening people with guns. Uh, another high draft pick. You know, this is... Both of their first round picks from last year. Right. I mean, this is just not a great <laughs> situation for the Raiders. And yet they're lingering around. Um, not much else there. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, uh, this is like, this is the opposite of what's going on with uh, the Patriots, right? Because like the Colts defense is pretty good at times. It's, it's mm. looking pretty good and they can probably, but they have a quarterback who just always wants to make plays happen, but he's Carson Wentz and he should just calm down and not try to do that. Uh, so he's been okay at times, but you know, we know that he's going to revert back to, to Carson Wentz. Uh, in, in high pressure situations. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been fun to watch all the time. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens to Carson Wentz. It's weird. Cause like he's had some great performances, like the game against the Ravens a few weeks ago was incredible, but you know, then you have the game against the Titans a couple of weeks ago where he's like playing well throughout the game and then just craps out and right. forgets how to play football at the end. Right. Uh, 19 and 20, you've grouped the Pennsylvania teams. You got the Eagles at 19, the Steelers at 20, uh, probably a better season than expected for the Eagles. Yeah, still, I mean, I, I thought they were going to be the worst team in the league. So. Yeah, yeah, still unclear what they have with Hurts. He's looked, you know, I thought he looked pretty good against the Chargers at times, uh, but you know, still, still a lot to assess there. Meanwhile, uh, Ben Roethlisberger is definitely not good. Like he's no, it's definitely no. over. Uh, I, I definitely had a Steelers fan who was getting a little upset with me at this at this ranking earlier today, but. I I don't care. Like, see, the thing with, with this power rankings is, you know, I had the four and four Browns in the top six, and I have the five and three Steelers at 20. And I don't care. Like, that's just kind of how I view these teams. I I don't trust Ben Roethlisberger to play well, like, at right. extended stretches, really, at any point during the season. And I know that uh, they've ripped off four straight wins after starting, uh, you know, one and three. But – I, I still don't find this team overall to be uh, that impressive. And I think, you know, you can get a little alarmed when you see they're five and three with the minus eight point differential. Like they're barely squeaking these games out. Uh, they lost to the Bengals. They lost to the Packers, lost to the Raiders. Uh, mm. They barely beat Geno Smith Seahawks in one of the worst football games of the season. I mean, uh, you know, I, I will give them props for like kind of holding strong against Justin Fields breakout party last night, but 
uh, overall, I, I just because this team is five and three doesn't mean I think they have like a bright future as far as the season goes. Yeah. I mean, but Mike, they get the lines next week. So right. <laughs> Mike Tomlin's a great coach and he, you know, yeah. he elevates teams, but there's only so much he can do. Right. right. It's not, it's just not there. Uh, so we're, we're solidly into the realm of teams that are going to need to do a lot this off season uh, to figure things out, which brings us to 21, the Denver Broncos, uh, you know, defense good. Like they, they just pounded the Cowboys who would, would you have them at number five? Uh, but, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is Teddy Bridgewater. He's just like, you know, and they're not like the quarterback play is just not there to elevate the offense on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and it's like Teddy's fine. He's a great guy, but whatever. Um, I I just don't think that they have enough on offense consistently to get this done, which is a shame because you know, see, this is this is interesting for me. Like when I was putting these teams together, because this is where I I, I, I kind of wanted to go back to tiers, but you know, I ended up doing a thirty-two piece listicle, which is fine too. Uh, because you know, I think you can make a case that like the Broncos are are they really that far away from like the Vikings? But no, in this in this scenario they they're ranked you know six spots below but I, I still think that this is a team that can give you headaches clearly like they they did to the cowboys on a sunday but overall just need to see more on offense before you can get like real excited about it yeah uh 49ers man uh, there was literal actual talk about kyle shanahan's job security on twitter.com this past weekend uh and probably deservedly so you know this uh the it has not played out the way that fans thought it would for this team this year. Uh, probably a little unfair to really make that judgment until they've gotten Trey Lance acclimated into the offense. I guess you could claim that, uh, you know, the fact that he hasn't done it more quickly is a slight on his record, but uh, you know, it's just not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not working uh, no. this season. No, uh, they just kind of got to regroup. I don't, I don't, think that means firing Kyle Shanahan like a bunch of 49ers fans have tweeted over the weekend but uh I they, they got to figure something out I, I still I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago don't really see the point of this Jimmy Garoppolo thing right this season is is effectively dead to me um you know you're, you're sitting at, at some point I think you just got to be real with yourself like you're sitting at three and five next week you play Monday night at the Rams so maybe you feed Jimmy to the wolves one last time, let him get screwed up out there. And then next week you got the Jaguars, which is probably a better time to put Trey Lance in the lineup. If you wanted to have uh, a better chance for the strong for his game, like coming out of uh, uh, sitting on the bench for half the season, but they're in such a weird spot where we've seen this team be good one season, but outside of that, it's just been a whole bunch of blech. And I know that they've suffered injuries basically every single year that Kyle Shanahan has been there, but at the same time, like this, this regime with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch is, uh, they are what thirty-two and thirty-nine with you know like thirteen of those wins coming in one season. So, right, it, it hasn't been what they've expected it to be, and I think at some point, like something needs to change. I don't know if it's Jimmy G. I don't know if it's a change. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know it's Jimmy G, right? Like yeah, they, well, they let the guy I, I, throw eight times in the NFC Championship game. Okay, well, yeah, right? I, I know like, it's Jimmy G because <laughs> Jimmy G needs to go because it doesn't have a future there. Like you right. should have traded him a few weeks ago like, if you couldn't pull that off. But they seem to be stubborn about having him on the team, and, and we'll see how that affects him in the future. But it's it's yeah. Trey Lance time. Uh, but maybe they just let Jimmy get screwed up one more time against the Rams. 
Uh, Falcons at 23. What do you got? Uh, I, I actually had a couple Falcons fans not happy with me for this. Mm, uh, interesting. I don't think this team is very good. Uh, they're 4-4 four and four with like a minus 44-point differential. Uh, so, you know, they're barely squeaking out some of these wins. And I think when you look at the defense, like if it, it's basically just Grady Jarrett and Andy Terrell just p- putting out fires all over the place. <laughs> uh, and then on offense, I, I, I will say this, though. Matt Ryan has been playing awesome football since uh, probably like week two, uh, maybe like since the second half of that. Bucks game in week two, I think Matt Ryan has just been honestly phenomenal. Uh, but uh, they they just don't have any depth. Like if if someone gets hurt, you you immediately feel that loss. Uh, and then, you know this is kind of what the deal was going to be coming into the season. This is a really thin roster with no depth because they didn't have a lot of money and resources to add depth. And uh, even if they don't want to tell us, I think that they are aware it's going to take a, a while to get this where they want to be. But uh, I think the encouraging thing if you're a Falcons fan is that. Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith have really started to figure out this passing game. Uh, and I think what's more impressive is that they've been able to figure out the passing game, even without throwing the Kyle Pitts for stretches that time and without having Calvin Ridley on the field. Like right. Kyle Pitts only had three catches in the game against the Saints. Saints are one of the best pass defenses in the league. And, uh, you know, they were still able to figure out. Well, let Zacchaeus scored two touchdowns. Cordero Patterson had a monster game, six catches, 126 yards including like the game, basically the game winning catch at the end of the game. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of like the Island of Misfit toys, but you got Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith and they're, they're piecing it together slowly week by week. All right. So we're new. We're at number 24. This is the back fourth of the league. Uh, all teams that, you know, we, we can expect some major changes. You got the Giants at 24. I mean, I think underachievers boring. Right. I mean, we, we expect Joe, Joe Judge and, and Dave Gettleman to I mean, I, I I would be surprised if they're both back. Maybe maybe Joe Judge can stay, but I think Gettleman's time is up. Yeah, Carolina Panthers. Uh, uh, we're we're going to get to this with the four verts. We'll talk about the Sam Darnold thing not working. So this is going to be a team looking for a quarterback. Twenty uh, sixth, the Washington Football Team supposed to have a ferocious defense. It just has not showed up this year. Uh, I, who knows? You know, uh, I'm not sure why Jack Del Rio would still have a job there uh, with the way that that unit has played um jacksonville jaguars at 27 uh they just won a game that they you know like i don't know maybe people down there feel like that's hope uh but it's it's still you watch the film of trevor lawrence and like nothing is easy for him there's there's just nothing being laid out for him uh it's really a frustrating experience uh if you if you watched him in college and saw what he could do in a a mildly proficient offense to see it now. It's, it's just a, a bad, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. Uh, 28 dolphins. Yep. Nothing bears 29. We're going to talk about Justin Fields when we get to the four verts. Uh, you know, um, among these teams that they probably have the most reason to hope because they have the guy, right? Like Justin Fields is clearly a guy who could be a winning NFL quarterback. Uh, 30, the Houston Texans. Yeah, I mean, it's total rebuild. New York Jets, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, and then the Lions, a team we a team we really like. I man, I didn't realize that your picture for the Lions was uh, Jared Goff just getting yeah I, for the throttled teams, to the ground. For the bad teams, I tried to put pictures. Of 
<laughs> artistic renderings of how yeah. of how yeah. uh, how tough things are. All right, so those are our power rankings. We've been talking. That took us a long time. We've been talking a while, so we're gonna get yeah. we're gonna get well, right I, to. At least we did get one of the four verts out the way. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We only we only have three verts left, which is yeah. not nearly as fun of a play as uh, four verts. Uh, but we will we will get right in. Let's go to Justin Fields. So Justin Fields, uh, Monday night football game that was otherwise not all that intriguing. Steelers Bears. Uh, Steelers end up holding on. I forget what the uh, final was. 29-26, something. 20, yeah, 29-27. Oh, 29-27. Horrible. Yeah. But Justin Fields, we you know we called for him to start. We called for uh, the Bears to tailor the, their game plan around what he can do. And it's finally starting to happen. And he just his, – his passing chart was just glorious. I mean, he, uh. he was just – chucking the ball all over the field. Uh, and it was, like, it was so good, too. And the thing yeah. is, he could have had a better day because – and we'll get to this in a second. The, the refs, oh, my God, yeah. they were right. so bad. Uh, and, you know, I, I hate doing the stuff where it's like, oh, man, the refs really screwed – but they, they really did screw the Bears out of that win. Uh, some of the calls were just absolutely egregious. And the fact that you know he just kept coming back with big throws after big throws after big throws – you know, he had the interception early in the game. That was kind of a fluke play to Cam Hayward. But after that, like, you just never saw him get deterred. Uh, you know, Allen Robinson finally showed some chemistry for the first time this season. Cole Komet had a great game. The deep ball was there. The accuracy was there. The poise was there. I mean, everything that Bears fans have been wanting to see and, like, fans of Justin Fields have been wanting to see is – it was right there for, for, for you uh, to see it with your own eyes. And you you finally got, like – the full game picture of why they traded up to get this guy. I mean, he's just really an incredible talent, the quarterback position. I think that that really gets encapsulated by that the touchdown throw to Darnell Mooney at the end of the game to right. get them back uh, in position to win where, you know, broken play, rolling out to his left, trying to make something happen, and then just bloop, perfect pass along the sideline to Darnell Mooney. So right. uh, that was such a fun game, and – it was just kind of weird to see the Bears with exciting quarterback play, but I think that Justin Fields really has a chance to be a special quarterback. Yeah, uh, the ceiling on this guy is it, non-existent. I mean, it's like right. Yeah, I mean, it's right there. Uh, it's based know. on like the physical talent, I don't see why he couldn't be like an MVP level player one time. No, what? No, yeah, without question. I mean, he's he's just fantastic. So there's actually a reason to watch the Bears now. Uh, you know, they probably need to figure out a couple other things like. Matt Nagy and probably not sticking with him. And, and, you know, I think that this is probably a candidate where this is probably one of those cases where they're going to be looking for whoever emerges as the offensive genius uh, du jour when the season ends, that that the bears might be looking in that direction, but uh, who knows? I mean, they've shown a lot of faith in Matt Nagy up to this point. So we'll uh, sort of monitor that and see see what happens. Uh, but let's get to the taunting. I mean, this is what a lot of people were talking about today. Uh, you guys probably all saw the the just Tony Corrente calling this, uh, you know, Cassius Marsh makes a huge play. He like, I don't know, he did like a spin kick, like a karate move. Is that like, and then. They got him for. Staring down the sideline, staring down, yeah. Which I, you know, if you look at the 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 taunting rule, it's supposed to be like player to player, like right, where you're trying to instigate something between another player, and for some reason, this fell underneath that. But also, like, 
well, the thing with Tony Carrente is interesting and almost like a little bit separate from Taunton because he didn't even throw the flag until he was like weirdly throwing his ass on <laughs> like like literally yeah. just like throwing his ass back. Mar- Marsh called it a hip check. I mean, yeah, like called it a-, a hip check. I was going to call it twerking, but you know, <laughs> that, that works too. Like, <laughs> one of us is a hockey fan and one of us is... I listen to rap music every day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but... You know, the, thing, the thing with the Tony Carandy play was if you watch, if you, if you watch it, I mean, there's been a million different angles of now as Marsh is running away back to the seat, the, the Bears sideline, right? He is trying to get out of the way of the ref. Like, you know, like when you're running past someone, you just swivel your right. hips a little bit and try to get out the way. And Carante like purposefully bumps into him with his hand on the flag. And as soon as he hits him, right. Then he it throws it for right. 15 yards. And right. I, I was like taunted, Marsh back like it was real weird uh and then you know instead of, and, but then the weird part to me on that one was instead of the penalty being you know contact with a ref disqualification they just said it was taunting but if it was taunting why wouldn't you throw the flag before that right. usually it's like a pretty immediate thing where they see a guy you know do the a monstrous act like spin a ball on the ground and uh you know you throw a flag and to me that was just kind of a situation that's like legitimately worthy of investigation. I don't want to get like too galaxy brain on this, but I, I thought that Will Brinson made a really good point last night, or at least a point that I think is worth exploring where he was saying, you know, the NFL, like they signed all these deals with these gambling companies and then they gave the referees the ability to just change the game whenever they feel like it. And if you go right. back and look at Tony Corrente's comments from last night, right. He He's literally like said, that. I felt I, that I it felt, was right. yeah, it, X, Y, and Z. That should never happen. Like you need more clear instructions on what taunting is if you're going to keep doing this. But I think the best thing to do is just to get out of the game entirely. And I and honestly, I find the the need to enforce the rule in this manner insulting because you know, you keep hearing when the coaches are asked about it because, you know. You right. Mike, Mike Tomlin was asked about you, it. Yeah, because so. you can't get an owner on a mic. And, I, I, right. and honestly, look, if you pay me, you know, $5 million a year to say the taunting penalty is good, <laughs> I mean, say that the taunting penalty is good. Like, right. that, you know, the Dave Chappelle skip where he's like, I represented Coke and Pepsi. I'll say whatever. <laughs> right. uh, so, you know, I, I really don't care what coaches have to say because someone's signing their checks and those people are usually the ones that are in charge of these things uh, getting done. But I find it insulting because, you know, you say you want to clean up the game and you don't like that stuff, but how many times do we see like all out brawl in in the past? Like how many times have we seen all out brawls like in the middle of a game because someone celebrates too hard? It's like a very rare occurrence. Like if you've covered football, you're more likely to see that at a training camp practice. Right, right. And, and also this idea, you know, I think Tomlin was the one who said, and, and other people said it like, well, we are, we're role models and we, we know that what we do trickles down and, and the young players emulate our, like none of that, ha- like that doesn't, like they, you know, I, I coach little kids, like they don't know. I mean, most, they're like eight, nine, 10, 11, even high school players, like they got their own lives going on. They're not like, oh, I saw uh, Cassius Mars taunt, so I'm going to taunt. Like, come on now. That's not, yeah. and it's, it's all, I mean, it's all like none of that is what's actually happening, right? This is just purely owners wanting to control players and make it, you know, their buddy, they, their buddies and, and certain people who may sponsor the team or whatever think that it's there's something wrong with it 
you know, and and particularly when certain players do it, that there's there's something untoward and ungentlemanly and unsportsmanlike about it uh, to do that when like the rest of society has long past moved on. And we want to like you, I mean, you know, I think you tweeted or you wrote it and you're like, we want to see people having fun. Like, it's yeah. football. Do you know how hard it is to make a play like that in football? Like, I, you know, to, an NFL player gets to sack somebody. Most of them, maybe 10, 15 times in their entire career. Yeah. Even yeah. the guys who are the best at it get a hundred. Like, Go ahead and celebrate. Like, right. and, and this is funny because I was, I think I, I think I was talking about uh, to this about uh, not not this specific thing, but I was talking about this on Labor Time Show a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about you know all the turnovers the Chiefs had it, it, in the, the the team that turns the ball over the most in a season. Like, let's say, you know, let me just go back and look real quick last year at who turned the ball over the most in the NFL. I'm pretty sure it was like the Jaguars or something or the Broncos. They turned the ball over 32 times. They ran 1,030 plays. <laughs> These are very rare instances. And to think that a big play like that is just going to de- – or, or a sack is just going to derail the entire operation, I, I think is legitimately insulting to these players because – do you think that they're just animals that can't control themselves? And I don't answer that because I don't want to know some of the answer, the owner's answers on that. But I think when you, when you start to really break this down, it becomes, you know, mostly these white refs and coaches right. and owners that are policing the emotions of their primarily black workforce. And to me, it just does not sit right with me. And I, I know that that last night was, you know, not, a, quite an example of that because Cassius Marsh is uh, a white guy. And right. uh, that was just kind of bizarre in its own sense. But to but me, he's, he's also a guy with like a big personality, right? Like right. He's got he, a bunch he, of tattoos. His, he comes out in the post game. Like he was on those Legion of Boom defenses. Like he's, right. he's right. got some personality to him, but right. I, I still find it to be very insidious. Kind and of. There's, and there's just too much leeway, time. right? Like yeah. there's, you know, you like, Nobody knows what pass interference is, but like at least there's like, you know, two guys have to be near each other and one of them has to touch the other and not look at the ball. Like, you know, we know sort of the general, but the taunting thing has just become so broad that and and it it leaves the ability for the officials, the refs just to say, oh, yeah, he said something or, well, it, it happened at the field level and that's what I whistled. And it's like, well, you know, that's. That's not good enough. That's uh, you know there needs to be it needs to be narrowed considerably, uh, and it has not. You know, despite I mean we've been talking about this not necessarily us per se, but NFL Twitter and media have been talking about this all season, and it just keeps it's actually escalated. You know, generally like when the when the issue was trying to protect players' brains, and people thought that that was a little intrusive, and they and too many hits to the head were getting called. Those calls just went away. Uh, but this uh, mysteriously has only escalated and we're seeing more and more of it as if the people who actually pull the strings in the league are doubling down on their sentiment. Uh, and so it's, it's just really not fun. Uh, yeah. At all. Uh, it's, it, it sucks. It's <laughs> awful. And no one wants to watch referees. We're here to watch the best athletes right. in the world be play at the highest level. Get out of here. Go away, Tony. All right. We already talked about Lamar Jackson. I don't think there's much else to say. The dude's great. Uh, watch him if you can. He's just, he's amazing. Uh, your final forvert was the Panthers have a Sam Darnold problem. 
we touched on this a little bit too, but you know, he's still Sam Darnold. Yeah, he stinks. Um, yeah, he's been brutal this year, and I think the that part is not interesting. But I think what is interesting is what this means for them moving forward because, man, that quarterback landscape next offseason is bleak. Like right. if so, you know, you you put yourself in this situation by signing Teddy Bridgewater last year. Right. You moved on from him last year because he played like Teddy Bridgewater, like everyone was expecting. Uh, and then you traded for Sam Darnold this year, who has been like considerably worse than Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, which also it's like not that surprising when you look at the history of both of those players. Uh, and now you find yourself in a situation where the financials of getting rid of Sam Darnold are not easy. Right. And the reason it's not easy is because when you trade for a player on a rookie contract or you just have a player on a rookie contract in general, uh, right. and it's a first-round pick, th- this money is guaranteed. You you have to pay like all the money that is allotted in the contract. And with the rookie contract, it's like, kind of hard to get that money back for teams. Right. Uh, and they picked up Sam Darnold's option for 2022, which is – $18.8 million. Right. Uh, and that is, he's, he's not playing like a, a quarterback that's, you know, going to be making $20 million uh, in a season. I think that that is just kind of outrageous to to put yourself in that situation after uh, how he played in New York. And now you're sitting here like, well, he's playing like a bottom three quarterback again. Uh, we're going to have to end up paying him like, you know, a top, 20-ish, top, you know, 15-ish quarterback uh, next season. And with the way that this contract is set up, you have to trade him in order to save money on the contract. Right. You tell me who's going to be trading a pick Nobody, to pay yeah. Sam Darnold 18 point, basically $19 million next year after putting up just a stinker after stinker after stinker each week. I mean, I mean last- and the, the Panthers, the, the Panthers will have to probably include Pitt. Like, they will have to give up, like, a second and a third right. round to unload it. It, it would be, be like, like the, the Osweiler trade. The Osweiler trade, trade. right. Um, yeah. And the Panthers are sitting at, like, what, 13? Like, they would draft somewhere between 10 and 15 if the season ended right now. And there are no quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, you said as the as the the landscape is shaking out right now, it's like, you know, Russell Wilson, if he decides to move on, Deshaun Watson, who has all sorts of baggage. Uh, this, I mean, this team has just not been clear. Like you said, like they gave Teddy Bridgewater, like they didn't give him real quarterback money, but they gave him real NFL money. Like they, that's a big, like that was a chunk of your salary cap for a guy that you, uh, did they ever really think he was going to be the guy? Like why do that? And why did they ever really believe that Sam Darnold be, could, could become more than, than what he, you know, has shown flashes of being at times? Like that's just who he is. And then he reverts back to, to, being, you know, the the bad Sam Darnold, like it's it's evident, and and there's just no plan. There's just no long term plan for how they're actually going to fix this. Uh, you know, yeah, they, have, well, they have a lot of money tied up with the running back too. Like yeah. Christian McCaffrey's probably worth it if anybody's worth it, but that's like that's a unique situation to be in in the NFL where you're paying a, a running back seventeen million dollars a year or whatever it was. Yeah, and I just, I just don't know how you solve this problem because. You know, maybe maybe you can get in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, but by all you know, intents and purposes, Russell is kind of leaked that he wants to go to a major city if he's trading. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Charlotte; my family lives there. I've got lifelong friends there. It's, it's not you know DC, it's not New York, it's not Atlanta. Like it's 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 a growing, but it's still Charlotte. So that might not be an option for you. And 
what you going to get back in the Sean Watson sweepstakes? Like this is this is a really ugly place that they found themselves in. And honestly, like just looking at the options, I don't think anyone should be surprised if Sam Darnold is starting again for them in twenty twenty two. Right. Yeah, I mean, who are the the free agent quarterbacks next year? Like Tyrod, uh, Jameis Winston. Will he signed a one year deal? Right. Kobe Brissett. I mean, it's just not like it's it's not a problem you can solve on the fly, and they keep trying to. Hey, maybe you can sign Ben Roethlisberger. Oh man, it's <laughs> not. Let's. It's only if they're trying to just get progressively worse. Oh, I I just found the Panthers twenty twenty two starter. Who is it? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, <laughs> we need some. We need some Fitz magic back. We need yeah, some some Fitz magic bombs to Robbie Anderson as yeah. at least forty years old. I'll I'll watch that. It'll be a little beast. Be exciting at least. Uh, all right, we've been talking for an hour and five minutes already. So you know, I said that I was going to throw Week Nine out, and I am. We're just going to throw it out. Let's just we 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 hit on a lot of the games uh, when we were talking through the uh, power rankings. So yeah, uh, I think, recap. Yeah, I think we're we're good there. But you know, you can find us on on Twitter. He's at Fourverts. I'm at Chris Corman. If you really want to talk about a game, I don't know. We'll just we'll type out some words to you about the game. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Probably not, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. But if you are are looking for some more content this week, Four Verts just got posted. Power rankings are up. Uh, is the Four Verts live now? Yes, it, it just went up. Nice, nice. Uh, so Four Verts is up. Power rankings are up. Tomorrow we'll have uh, mid-season awards. And you know, if you if you are following the site for a while uh, and have read what means uh, Stephen Ruiz, who's at the Ringer now, what we did last year, we do like the normal ones, then we just kind of get goofy uh, towards the end because, you know, I any, anyone can do head coach, offensive corner, defensive corner, all that jazz. But it's kind of fun to get creative and, and poke fun at some of the things that happened this season. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to read that. And we will talk about that Thursday on the next episode of The Counter. We'll uh, dig into those awards and look forward to Week 10, uh, the rest of the season, and whatever news may come out about uh, I'm, I'm like reading through Twitter now, Aaron Rodgers, hairy hands or small feet, big feet. I, I, don't, I don't even it's know what's going on anymore. I'm, I've had enough Aaron Rodgers feeling. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks for joining us here at The Counter. Uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports.